Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Download the notes at kcm.org notes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory. Billy Brim's back with us today with some great word for us. Hallelujah. Yes. Welcome, Billy. Yes, really, I know, and I can even say it's a great word because it's a word from the Lord. Yes, amen. And he told me before uh, we came here what to talk about. Good. He told me that he needed prayer. He, need, he needs our voices in the earth, and he needs the body of Christ to pray together. Yes. There are things that God has planned that he wants to get into the earth. He's raising up prayers. He's raising up a prayer force. He told me like nations raise up an air force, I'm raising up a prayer force. Praise God. And that's you. And he wants you to pray. And he talked to us about a special kind of prayer that he wants us to do in the spirit, in tongues, so that he can give us utterance that passes our minds, which are so low for today. And yesterday we saw how tongues, well, we saw first over in Genesis, how at the Tower of Babel, when they were building it, he said they had one speech and one language and nothing was restrained to them. They were doing an evil nothing thing. Nothing was impossible. Nothing was impossible. You can even do evil if you say the same thing. So he confused their language. And from that time until the day of Pentecost, people weren't really, really able to say the same thing. But now he sent forth the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gave the utterance. Mm -hmm. And now we can say the same thing. He can give us utterance in the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost wrote the Bible. We can speak the Bible. And we're saying the same thing. Amen. So we talked yesterday about the so Holy Ghost. So all over the world, by the Spirit of God, we can say the same thing. We can say the same different thing. Different people, different places. Yes. But all in the Spirit. All One in the Spirit. Spirit saying the same thing. That's awesome. That, that's why He gave me this. And He gave me a, 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 a saw. He said, make a 24-hour clock. Divide it up into 30-minute pie-shaped pieces. Get people around the world to dedicate themselves for a 30-minute segment this is a non-agenda praying. We're not praying for Israel. We're not praying for the family, nothing. We just, we just start out. I usually start out by meditating on um, either Romans 8, 26, where it says the Spirit helps us pray when we know not how. Yeah. Or I meditate on 1 Corinthians 14, 2. He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. Praise God. And he speaks mysteries. Mm. And then just say to the Lord, you have my tongue. Use it. And then he puts into the earth what he wants. He's got to get some things into the earth, not only to pray God's plans into the earth, but stop some of the things the enemy has planned. And so we're, this is a way we can pray in unity with, with today's technology. With this, His will. His perfect His will. will. His perfect will. With, with the technology he has given and all of these wonderful technicians around here, we couldn't do it without them. Mm -hmm. We've got the easy part, to tell you the real truth. And uh, with this equipment, and he's maneuvered Kenneth and Gloria uh, into such a place that people turn on the broadcast. Praise God. He has to have established your names in the earth, really. Praise God. But he did it, and he's got us all here right on time. Praise God. And uh, the prayer that he wants is tied to the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost outpouring. And so we know that in Acts chapter 2, he poured out the Holy Ghost and they all spoke with tongues. Now they have a language again that's God-given and they can say the same thing. Mm -hmm. The enemy, there is an enemy. 
The church went through the dark ages, but God reestablished what the canker worm ate. And at the beginning of the 21st century, we have an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Praise and that outpouring God. of the Holy Ghost affected my family and then affected me. Yeah. And I'm going to be reading to you. Uh, this is my, it's, it's kind of like my testimony, but I, I'm going to read it to you about a, uh, from a book that I wrote, which is really my testimony tied in with the Holy Ghost. And why do I, I know what I do about prayer? And why do we have Prayer Mountain? And, and what, what is all this business? So I noticed Ken at the last minister's conference. The Lord took him back and had him give his testimony in regard to the tent anointing. And I heard Brother Oral Roberts say one time, he always gave his testimony. And Paul always gave his testimony. He always said, I was on the road to Damascus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so this is my testimony, but it has to do with the Holy Ghost outpouring, how I got to Prayer Mountain and even in the Holy Ghost. So I, my first chapter, I wrote this book many years ago. So I wrote This Prophetic Century's Beginning. And uh, that was the, the 20th century. But now we're over into a new century. But at the beginning of the last century, 1900, 1901, uh, that I'm going to write it. I'm telling you about the dealings in my family, which led me to be to Prayer Mountain in the Ozarks. And it's really a history of the outpouring, the outpouring that came at that time. In the late 1800s, near um, in north central Missouri, near a place called Fayette and Rocheport, uh, there lived my great great grandmother, Lou Jackman Pipes. And she was a widow and she had children. And she had inherited a farm from her father. And she, she lived up near the road. The big farmhouse was on the road. And right across was another farm and some Canadians. We think there were French Canadians moved in from Canada. They had a whole bunch of boys. And they were really loud and they made music. And they were the talk of the neighborhood. And um, so uh, the, the, everybody talked about them, but finally things settled down and they, they grew to love those people. And their name was Picard. Uh, but when they got to Missouri from Canada, it became, became Picard. Yeah. <laughs> so um, now remember my great-great-grandmother, Lou, she was a widow. And she married the oldest Picard boy, Levi. And she had a daughter named Carrie, and Carrie married the youngest Pickard boy named Isaac. Bible. So mother and daughter are married to brothers. And they, both had, and they both had children. So it was really strange because my great-grandmother, her sisters and brothers were her nieces and nephews. That can't be possible. And uh, my, really? great, my, sure? my great-grandmother, her children, my great-great-grandmother, they were her grandchildren and they were her nieces and nephews. I never heard of such a thing. It's a, it's a, my mother, when she married my dad and they would go to visit the Missouri kinfolk, she said, I could never figure out who they were. I guess not. <laughs> this one was that one's a child and that cousin and wild. uncle and at the same time. And there was an old song. You remember that old country song that said, I'm my own grandpa. Yeah, remember well, that old song? Mother said the Missouri grandfolks are their, the Missouri relatives are their own grandpa. <laughs> are their own Isn't grandma. She couldn't figure it out. But anyway, my great-grandmother married the youngest boy, Isaac. 
And uh, she found out that one reason why they were so happy and made a lot of music and everything, they hit the jug. Uh-oh. Yep, they did. And Don't she, tell she me, No, Bill. yeah, they hit the jug. You've done so well so far <laughs> with your group. And she, your my, my great-grandmother, Carrie Pickard, who married Ike, uh, he wanted to go to Indian Territory. They had a, a land run down there. And he wanted to go down there because somebody in his family had gotten land. And, uh, but at the time, it was still Indian Territory, but they opened it up. So she heard there was no liquor in Indian Territory, so she agreed to go. <laughs> and she got a covered wagon. My goodness. 1901. They packed up their little girls, three little girls in that covered wagon, and um, a baby son. And they headed down for Indian Territory. And the first thing she saw when she got over the border, a drunk person. Oh, no. And her hopes were dashed. <laughs> she had left her mother, whom she loved dearly. Now she's down here in this wild territory, and they have liquor. And so they ended up, after some moves, they ended up in a little town that's about, um, it, it's about now, I'd say about maybe 15, 20 miles by the new highways from Tulsa. And it's called Coweta. And they bought a farm out in the sand dunes, sand, sandy bottomland out at uh, a half, a, half a mile south of Coweta. Cotton was king. They planted cotton. And uh, my grandpa, Ike, great-grandfather, Ike Pickard, he was a happy drunk. He was always happy. Was he nice? He was real nice, and he helped people all the time. <laughs> cotton was king, and he would take his uh, cotton to the town, and he'd take it to the gin, you know, and he'd have a pocket full of money, and he'd get drunk. And the horses knew the way to get him back well, that's out. That's good. Yeah, to the farm. So he'd just be drunk, happy singing, and the horses would take him. And one night, my grandma, uh, great-grandmother Carrie, she heard him singing louder than ever. And she said, girls, go and open the gate. Papa's drunker than ever. <laughs> and he was drunker than ever. But this time, he was drunk on the new wine. He received the Holy Spirit. He had come into contact face-to-face -face with us, what was happening, a breakthrough from heaven at the beginning of the 20th century. Oh, my, my. He happened to hit it. And what had happened, see, at the beginning, 1900s, just before, late 1800s, God's moving. He's moving in the Jews. He's bringing them home. Herzl has a, a Theodore Herzl has a plan, a Zionist plan for all the Jews to come home that God gave him. And in the earth, in the nations, there's great scientific advancement. Right up until 1900s, Men traveled really no faster than horses could run or ships could sail in the sea. But something happened at the beginning of 1900. Edison, soon he got light. Mm -hmm. He saw how to do light. And, and the Wright brothers, they figured out how to fly. And, and, and then knowledge began to increase, just like Daniel said. Praise God. Daniel said knowledge will increase. Now, that's what's happening in the Jews and the nations. But what about the church? At that beginning of the century, this, this former rain outpouring that came in Acts chapter 2, the canker worm ate it. The grasshoppers ate it, like it says in it Joel. Yes. It went underground because the church entered the dark ages. But God had to get everything back to the church. He got back the just shall live by faith. He got back divine healing through Sister Woodworth Etter and John G. Lake and others. But here he's going to get back the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And it starts right in the middle of our country. 
through a man in a Bible school that he founded, Reverend Charles Parham. He was led of God, and I have, I'm reading now from my book, to begin a Bible school. Someone told him of a large abandoned mansion on the outskirts of Topeka, Kansas. It was known locally as Stone's Folly. Mr. Stone, the builder, had moved west. He built, out in the middle of Kansas Wheatfield, a Tudor mansion, English Tudor. Nothing but grass around it. And people called it Stone's Folly. It didn't fit, didn't fit the neighborhood. And uh, he moved to California. He built it and left. He built it and left, and weeds grew up all around it. And so one day, uh, Charles Parham, Reverend Charles Parham, the Lord had told him he's going to have a Bible school, and he walked down this road, and when he passed that place, the Lord said to him, I will give you this building for your Bible school. And Parham said aloud to himself, this is the house. Mm-hmm. A gentleman came from around the back of the house, and he said, what about this house? Parham told him what the Lord had said, and the man identified himself as Mr. Stone. He had been in California, but he came back to clean up the place. And he said, if you want to use this building for a Bible school for God, it's yours. And he handed the key to Parham. No rent, no nothing. You use it. The next day, Parham went to the train to meet the first student, a missionary, a Quaker missionary on leave. She told him that when she was praying, the Spirit of God told her there was going to be a Bible school in Topeka where she could find out what does the Bible mean when it says the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Thirty-five students came just responding to the Spirit of God. No advertising. Parham had become convinced that nothing he saw tallied up to the book of Acts. And so he had a question. What does the Bible mean when it says baptism with the Holy Spirit? What is the evidence of it? So this Bible school was a Bible school with a question and with no answer. And so he uh, accepted a, a, a speaking invitation. And he, this, this mansion had a whole bunch of turrets and round places and all the students could go and pray. And he left them. He said, I'm going to go speak at this place. And what you, you all go before the Lord and you ask him, each one of you individually, what is the evidence that someone has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, William Seymour, he was the one-eyed black man that, uh, of Azusa Street fame. He wrote this article and published it in his magazine, The Apostolic Faith, in the 1906 issue. The Azusa Street outpouring came in 1906. So Seymour writes, Just before the 1st of January, 1901, the Bible school began to study the word on the baptism with the Holy Ghost to discover the Bible evidence. The students kept up a continual prayer in the praying tower. They prayed. A company would go up and stay three hours, and then another company would go up and wait on God, praying that all the promises of the word might be wrought out in their lives. They prayed around the clock, 24-7. On New Year's night. Now what year? Well, 1901. New Year's, one minute before, one minute after midnight, 1901. 1901. 1901, one minute after midnight. Miss Agnes Osmond, she's the missionary, 
was convinced of the need of a personal Pentecost. A few minutes before midnight, she asked that hands be laid on her that she might receive the gift of the Holy Praise Ghost. God. During prayer and invocation of hands, she was filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. She literally spoke. Now, Brother Parham had a daughter. He had one son. And that one son married to Pauline Parham. Pauline Parham, I knew her for years. And they had a daughter, Bobby Romus. Mm -hmm. Bobby Romus is still living today. And Bobby told me that this woman spoke a language that was identifiable. And she it was could, a known language. It was a known language. Not known to her. Not known to her. Mm -hmm. And she could, oh, it was Chinese. Chinese. Oh, that would be something, wouldn't it? And she spoke it for days. And finally, they brought a, a pad for her to write. Mm -hmm. And she wrote in Mandarin Chinese. Forevermore. And Bobby has still got the pad. Wow. And they gave it to linguists. And they determined what it was. Mm -hmm. When Miss Ogsman did this, she spoke no English either after those for three days. It made everyone, all the students, hungry. Scarcely eating or sleeping, the school with one accord waited on God. On the 3rd of January, 1901, Brother Parham returned from the meeting he was holding. And suddenly, when he walked in the room and opened the door, 12 students were there speaking with other tongues. And when Brother Parham returned and opened the door to the room where they were gathered, a wonderful sight met his eyes. The whole room was filled with a white sheen of light. Gloria that could God. not be described. And 12 of the students were on their feet talking in different tongues. Now, just as the upper room in Acts chapter 2 could not hold them, they went out on the streets of Jerusalem preaching and they were, it looked like they were drunk in the Holy Ghost. When, brother, when they received this uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit, they came down, uh, suddenly that room could not hold them. And they went holding meetings around in the area. They went to Baxter Springs. They went to Galena, Kansas. And they worked their way down, eventually getting to Houston, Texas, where Brother Seymour, the one-eyed yes, black man, heard yes. them. But on their way down, two women stopped in uh, near Coweta, Oklahoma, and preached the message. And it was, it was these people that Ike Pickard ran into that day. When he went in, and he, my great-great-grandfather, God maneuvered. When he went in and sold his load of, he was always a friendly guy, like I told you, and he saw these people. They were Pentecostals in those days. They got, they got tomatoes and, and, and eggs thrown at them, rotten eggs. And when he went in and he saw them, they had bought some land. And people in Coeta weren't happy about it, but they had it, and they were putting up a, a church, probably an old tabernacle. Mm -hmm. And... He saw them out there. He asked them, are you anything you need? They said, yes, we're going to build an altar. We need some lumber. So he said, I'll pick it up for you in my wagon. That he, It was empty now. He had unloaded his cotton. And he got, the, he got lumber for them to build the altar. He came back and he said, now is there anything you need? And they said, well, you can help us build it. So he helped them build the altar. He's a drunk. And so then he said, anything else I can help? They said, yeah, we need help dedicating it. They took it inside to dedicate it. And while he was in there dedicating it, he got born again. He got baptized Praise in the Holy God. Ghost. Filled with the Holy Ghost. It was that Ike who was coming home. The horses were leading him home out to the farm drunker than ever. And he came out there drunker than ever in the Holy Ghost. And he stayed drunk in the Holy Ghost the rest of his life. Praying and praying loudly. Praise God. And my grandma said, open that gate. And he came in. 
Uh, the town fathers, it, it was a terrible thing that it had happened. My great-grandmother, she thought it was a terrible thing, but eventually she saw the change in his life and she went with him down to the old mission and she, my grandma Pickard, got baptized in the Holy Praise Ghost God. too. And there on that farm of theirs, they had a deep canyon and the Holy Ghost people who underwent lots of persecution, they could go out to my grandparents' par farm near Coweta and they could get happy or they could get a burden. And their farm became a place of prayer. Praise God. In the Holy Ghost. You Bless have a great Lord. heritage. It's a great heritage. And um, this is the heritage that, that my family had and that the Lord showed to me later on when I came into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know anything about this heritage before. Nobody told me about it. But later on, when I came into the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to me, this is the cord of your inheritance. And I knew I had to find a place of prayer and that I had to help prayers. It's called Prayer Mountain in the Ozarks, and we'll be right back. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Download the notes at kcm.org notes.